Welcome to the Football Game Plan Radio Network, where football makes sense. And this is 5 and 5, where we'll take a look at five college football games and spend a little under five minutes covering each. I'm your host, Chris James. And what we're going to do this week, we're going to go over some games. We have one on Friday night, four on Saturday. I'm just going to give you kind of an overview. You know, the outlook for the away team, for the home team, the keys to victory for each team, as well as my prediction. And for you people who like to uh, do some extracurriculars, just look at the, the spread and the over-under as well. So without further ado, we're going to get kicked off. The first game on the slate is going to pit number seven, Stanford. The Cardinals against the number 10 Washington Huskies. And this is Friday night, September 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ESPN. Now, two top 10 teams square off in a battle of undefeateds that will likely determine the winner of the Pac-12 North. The 3-0 Stanford Cardinals travel to Seattle to face the 4-0 Washington Huskies. I have Washington making it to the playoff if you all have uh, followed me on Twitter or on uh, any other portion of social media. And this is their first and probably biggest test down the line. For Stanford, they get one step closer to a defense of their Pac-12 title. So as for Stanford, Stanford has made its stake on being the most efficient major college football program for nearly a decade. They play team ball and no part is larger than the sum. Well, that changed on offense this year, even last year, as they truly are a one-man band with Christian McCaffrey. For Washington, it's a Washington team that was too young last season, losing early games that they had no business losing. They were better after the Stanford game, and they've won seven of their last nine contests. The offense will be set with Quarterback Jake Browning, wide receiver John Ross, and likely their best player, running back Miles Gaskin. They also have depth on the D this year and the forgotten ex-head coach of Boise State, Mr. Chris Peterson. Keys to victory for Stanford. They need to play better from they'll be better play from quarterback Ryan Burns as they face a fast and talented secondary this week. McCaffrey should be used as a decoy in the run game. A lot of play action. Uh, Then out wide as a wide receiver. This will allow them to sustain drives, keep the ball away from a talented Husky offense, and get that crowd out of the game. For Washington, they must stay within themselves on offense. They have great weapons, but shouldn't fall into the trap that Stanford sets on defense. They also need to keep... Uh, defensive lineman Solomon Thomas out of plays with double teams as needed. Now here's my prediction. Stanford will likely take a shot or two with Michael Rector. Uh, look for cornerback Sidney Jones to play deeper than normal as he tries to get over the top. They'll likely play a single high safety most of the time, uh, allowing there to be a box safety. The strength and deceptive speed of Stanford took advantage of an underachieving Washington team last year to the tune of 31-14. to 14. This year, the, the control of the game will be that of Washington, and they will come out on top. I have Washington 28, Stanford 21. 
Washington's a three and a half point favorite at home. So that means Washington covers and the over under is 44. So I expect it to go just a little bit over with my total of 49. The next game up is the a Big Ten matchup, Wisconsin Badgers. Number eight, Wisconsin Badgers versus the number four, Michigan Wolverines. This is going to be a Saturday afternoon, October 1st at 3.30 p.m. You can find it Eastern Standard Time. You can find it on ABC. So here's the overview. These two teams are very similar, but the perception couldn't be more different. During the preseason, analysts and people in the know all thought Michigan was going to be a top 10 squad, but no one expected Wisconsin to be good this year. That includes myself. Both squads have an attacking defenses with efficient offenses. Both have coaches in their second year with the program. Both are in the top 10. And, the, and this is probably the biggest mirror image game thus far in the FBS, especially for major programs. For Wisconsin, they sport a very impressive resume uh, so far, having beaten the likes of uh, LSU. Say what you will about it, but that's still a tough team to beat. And then they went on the road and really gave it to Michigan State, played more physical and got the job done. And what I'll say about Wisconsin is that they're one of the most consistent teams over the last half decade, if not decade, in college football. They keep winning 10-11 games every year, no matter who the coach is. And you say, well, they don't have a lot of five-star recruits. It's because they just play football. On the other side of the field, the home team, Michigan, they do have a very impressive resume as well, with all four of their wins being by at least 17 this year, and three of them by at least 37. Jim Harbaugh, even though he's a former quarterback, believes heavily in defense and ball control. Keys to victory for Wisconsin. It is to continue that physical nature. They have to, on defense, still play an intimidating style, but not try to overplay. And on offense, riding Clemens into the ground, the running back, who is back from injury, and he looks strong. He looks like one of the best backs in the country. For Michigan, it is honestly just not allowing things to get away from. Jake Rudick last year and their losses allowed the ball to be turned over against Utah, and they just got away from what they do. Michigan wants ball control. They want to play a style that <clears throat> people who are familiar with the old Big Ten and some of the teams in the SEC, LSU, where the margin of error for the defense is very thin, but for the offense, you want to make sure you don't turn the ball over. Prediction for this game? I think that the team willing to take more chances is the team that's going to win this game. I think with the nothing to lose attitude and the knowledge that their schedule will still allow them to play in the Big Ten championship, I think Wisconsin takes those chances. I think they jump more routes. I think they play more aggressively on offense, using play action, try to go over the top. And I think that really gets them the victory this week. I have Wisconsin, I should say. Winning 27-24 over Michigan. Michigan is a huge favorite in this game, folks. This is a huge favorite. Ten and a half points for top ten teams matching up. Um, but remember a few weeks ago, it doesn't matter what the point spread is. If you're a better team, you're a better team. Or if you play better, you're going to win. So that has Wisconsin covering, obviously. 
And then the over-under is 44.5. I had this going over at 51 total points. Next up on the slate, another top 25 matchup in conference. The Tennessee Volunteers, number 11 Volunteers, travel between the hedges to play the 25th-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Now, let me just stop right here and make sure that people know this. If you've been paying attention to anything I've said, and you can follow me on Twitter at CJ Florida 9 Georgia has not been ranked in my top 25 since the second week of the season when they should have lost to Nichols, Nichols State. They have looked mediocre at best. They look like a team that is disorganized on defense and has no threats on offense other than Nick Chubb, who is injured again. They've been ranked in the top 25 simply because people didn't want to be wrong. It's not like they watched the product, even with wins on their resume against the powerhouses of Nickel State and Troy. They never looked good against those teams. They never looked good against a North Carolina team. To be honest, I don't know if they're ridiculously trash or not. So they are not in my top 25. I'm reading these as the AP numbers. So anyway, this game is going to be the SEC game of the week. It's going to be on CBS at 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. The overview. Look, let's get this out the way. This game always, always decides the team that goes to the SEC championship if they beat in Florida. If the team that wins this game beats Florida, they go. And I know that sounds, oh, that's obvious, but... For some reason, this game always seems to decide that, except there was a stretch of two years where, for some reason, Georgia was able to make it, but they couldn't beat Tennessee. It's weird. So, I don't expect anything different here. This is a rivalry game, and whether one team is down or not, you're going to get that type of performance. My outlook for the Tennessee Volunteers. There has not been a more disappointing helter-skelter team this year than Tennessee. Just ask the Florida Gators last week. As Tennessee went into the locker room down 21-3 and decided to put up 35 second-half points, that really got the job done. They have talent all over the place, and they were a preseason top-five pick by a lot of analysts. And for the home team, the Georgia Bulldogs... They're young everywhere. The expectations for Georgia of being a good team or even a top 25 team, in my opinion, were unfair. You have a true freshman quarterback, and I've never seen one of those succeed in the SEC. You have a true freshman head coach. As Kirby Smart's getting his first head coaching job. They have transfers out when Mark Rick was fired, transfers in when Kirby Smart came on. They don't have the requisite depth to have been taken as a big-time threat. So they are where I thought they would be. My keys to victory for each. For Tennessee, it's being Tennessee. And I know that sounds very blasé, but let's, let's see what I mean. You have to let Joshua Dobbs make mistakes, but also make plays. He's a very inaccurate passer in the traditional sense. He doesn't hit the... The hitches, guys who are standing still. He doesn't hit in routes, things like that. Slants. He doesn't hit those. But he actually throws a pretty nice deep ball. And when he's on the run, throwing patterns that are odd in my opinion, throwing the deep out 
he's actually pretty accurate. So you have to let Joshua Dobbs be Joshua Dobbs, put pressure on Georgia. And on defense, you have to find a way to cover up uh, those corners, whether it's playing bump, playing safeties over the top or playing them deep and making Easton beat them. Now, keys to victory for Georgia, take a page out of the University of Texas book when they view Shane Bichelle. What I've realized is that they're trying to make Eason be a junior quarterback. They're asking him to throw a lot of passes into the middle of the field, go through his progressions fully, do things like that. Give this guy more one-read situations. Let him throw the ball deep on the outside. He's the number one quarterback coming out for a reason. He's got talent. He's a good one, and he's eventually going to be a good quarterback in the SEC. But we saw what happened when you asked him to go through his progressions and play a really tough Ole Miss team. They got throttled in my prediction for this game. Even though Tennessee should blow out Georgia, if you're looking at how they match up, I don't expect that. I expect a back-and-forth game. I expect that Georgia will take advantage of the fact that Tennessee – was missing Cam Sutton, so they're going to throw on the little corner, number eight, on the outside and try to get some big plays that way. University of Florida didn't. I don't understand why they changed that up, but it's neither here nor there. At the end of the day, I think Tennessee just has too much strength, and this is a Jalen Hurd late type game where I think he scores a late touchdown and really solidifies the win. 28-21 Tennessee. Tennessee is only a three and a half point favorite because they know the history with these two teams and the erratic play of Tennessee. I expect Tennessee to cover that three and a half. The over under is 52 and a half. My score 49 is just under. So take the under on this game. I expect it to be more defensive uh, savvy as these teams don't like each other. And I expect them to actually want to hit more than they want to score. The next game is actually the only game on my slate that does not pit two top 25 teams against each other. That's the Oklahoma Sooners, a preseason top five team at the number 21 Texas Christian University Horned Frogs. This will be one of those stagger games, the new stagger games uh, on Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fox. The overview. No one's had a tougher stretch to start the season than Oklahoma. Yes, they had a home game against uh, a home game against the top 10 team, but it was Ohio State who thrashed them. They had what's basically a road game against Houston to open up the season. And they haven't really looked like the same team ever since P. Ryan took a shot in that Houston game. It's almost as if their whole team took a shot. They don't run the ball anymore. And that is really what their attitude is. That was Oklahoma football, not the passing game of Baker Mayfield. The the Texas Christian uh, Horn Frogs, I look at it and I say this. It's become transfer university. Uh, If you've come from another large program and you've been written off, quote unquote, you have a second chance at TCU. You got guys like Kenny Hill, a.k.a. Kenny Trill, from Texas A&M, uh, a wide receiver from LSU who's killing it, John D.R.C., who I think has more yards receiving than all the LSU receivers combined. It's a little crazy. Uh, look for TCU to stop being as offensively set up as they have been. They've been really focused on that. 
But Gary Patterson and company, they made their medal on defense. There's a stretch, I think, from 2010 to 12, or it might have been 2009 to 11, where they were the number one team in the country defensively for three straight years. That's crazy. Yet now they're just an air it out squad that can't stop anyone. So here are the keys to victory. For Oklahoma, the only way they're going to win these games is if they go back to their own personality. You're out of the national championship hunt now. Cool. Don't get out of the Big 12 hunt. You don't have any Big 12 losses yet. You have to start pounding the ball. Use the speed and size of Joe Mixon. Use even Baker Mayfield. Put him in positions where it's a run-pass option very very easy as far as a read. It's not that he can't read. It's that you don't want three and outs. You want to sustain drives, especially against a team that wants the ball in their hands like TCU. And for TCU, they have to start playing a better brand of defense. They were pounded on by, by Arkansas. They've been pounded on by teams that really shouldn't be able to play with them. And so they have to start playing better defense. I'm not mad at the offense. I think they're doing their job. And I think that that is really how they can win this game is by establishing something on defense that will give them the opportunity to put Oklahoma in a hole. My prediction for this game, look, maybe I'm going on faith, but I'm going on matchup. TCU's defense does not have the requisite parts on the interior to really shut down an Oklahoma rushing attack if they stick to it. Pounding them up the middle and then getting the ball out on the edge to guys like D.D. Westbrook should allow this Oklahoma team to put up quite a few points. I have them winning 38-28 in Fort Worth. Oklahoma's a three-and-a-half point favorite here, so I'm having them cover with a 10-point victory. Uh, the over-under 70 points. So I actually have them going under at 66 total points. And finally, we're to the big contest, the one that might determine who plays in the, the playoff, because whatever team wins this game will likely make it to the playoffs now. Again, earlier in the season, I said my final four teams were going to be Bama, Florida State, and then two surprising teams, Baylor and Washington, with those being the teams that were undefeated. Florida State got trounced by Louisville. And I actually, in my predictions, had them losing to Louisville, Clemson beating Louisville, and Florida State beating Clemson, allowing them to get back in the mix. But anyway, that's out of the picture. Now it's between these two teams. I think the ACC is going to be decided tonight, period. Even if Florida State wins against Clemson in the future. They don't look like they can hold up against the likes of Miami. So anyway, this will be an 8 p.m. game on ABC. It should be a good one. So the overview for this. Let's get right to the point with with, uh, Lamar Jackson. The kid is ridiculous. No, I'm not going to say he's the best player I've ever seen. I'm not a creature of the moment. And I'm not going to agree with Mr. Michael Vick because while he's right, he is completely wrong. I'm going to jump off for a second. Michael Vick said he's five times better. And I know he's being facetious. He means he's just better, period, than he was in college. He's right. He's a better passer than Michael Vick was at this point. 
And he's also a better runner slash athlete than Michael Vick was at this point. But the level of competition is different. See, we've seen Lamar Jackson before because it's Michael Vick. We never saw anything like Michael Vick before Michael Vick. It's like saying now everyone's compared to Michael Vick. It's like everyone's compared to Michael Jordan. Or when a receiver jumps up and takes a ball from someone, it's called Mossed. It's not called Don Henson from the Green Bay Packers, even though he had some amazing career numbers. Michael Vick was an icon. Lamar Jackson is another really good player. Special, much like a Cam Newton, but not an icon. So while Michael Vick was right, he is better. There's no such thing as a Michael Vick right now. And Lamar Jackson is not that type of icon right now. But that's all my soapbox. Let me get back to the game. He is tearing it up. Through four games, he has 75 touchdowns. So that means he's on a pace. If for some reason they were to go the full what 15-game stretch, you, you, you realize what numbers you put up, right? Don't worry. I'll wait. But no, seriously, through the regular season, if he continues to stretch out, 75 touchdowns. Not going to happen, but at the same point in time, wow. And the balance. 13 passing touchdowns, 12 rushing touchdowns. Just amazing. On defense, they are a free-form defense that actually flies around and makes plays. They get penetration, and they're pretty gap responsible. To me, it's because they've played traditionalist teams. They've played Syracuse. More talent, but also traditionalist team. Florida State, traditionalist team. You know where those guys are going to be. Very interesting. They're not playing that this week. They're playing Clemson. And Clemson has looked mediocre at best. What I will say about that is, I think they were feeling themselves a little bit. So they got hit in the mouth. And I think the South Carolina State game kind of allowed them to not feel themselves anymore. And it doesn't mean that it's because it was a close game. It meant... They were feeling themselves early, dropping the ball on the one-yard line. And then they started to feel their pressure. Now they feel like Clemson again. And I think that this will allow them to be what they were last year. Remember, they didn't lose much. They lost some pieces, but they didn't lose much. Still had the Ben Bowl wearers of the world. Deshaun Watson's still there. Their offense arguably got better because they get back Mike Williams, who had a neck injury last year. So, it should be interesting. My keys to victory for for uh, for Louisville. For Louisville, it is making sure that they don't just rely on Lamar Jackson. This kid can't keep taking these hits. Um, he hasn't taken huge ones, but against Clemson, they're used to playing against a guy who's this style of athlete. They're used to seeing that speed. They will be able to close and put him into a box to where he's going to take hits. And he's not the biggest kid. So they have to get the ball out of his hands, allow some other people to do some things. And then late in the game, he can make plays when people are tired. But early on, do not let it try to be the Lamar Jackson story and game. Uh, for Clemson, Deshaun, Jackson, uh, Deshaun Watson 
has looked mediocre on deep passes. That was his thing last year. He threw a nice deep ball, and he has looked contested. It's not defensively contested, but by himself. Lower body mechanics have been bad this year. He's got to get back to being himself. Uh, I've seen some regression in him, but he's got to be himself. As for the offense, you got to hit him with Willie Gallman up the middle. This will give them fits and allow them to condense the box so Deshaun Watson can get on the edge. As far as the prediction, conventional wisdom says that the team with the best quarterback wins. I'm going to say the team with the best running back performance comes out on top of this one uh, because it will dictate what's going on in the game. Willie Gallman, I believe, will have a big game pounding on them early and taking advantage of a weakened front four late. They have some talent on this Louisville team, but they don't have the requisite depth to hang with a guy who's a pounder like Gallman. I expect it to be an exciting game, a back-and-forth game, and Clemson to pull it out at home late, 31-24. to Louisville's a two-point favorite here, and I mean, I understand. Louisville is that exciting. So that means they're really at a neutral site, a five- to six-point favorite since it's college football. I don't care. Then Clemson covers and wins this game. As far as the over-under, I'm keeping it more close to the vest. I don't think that there's that big explosion from either squad early on. I think this is going to be a very tempered game where, in the case of when they play Florida State, I expect it to be a high-scoring game where I thought they'd just get out and run because Florida State would need to try to keep up with them, and I thought Louisville would run. I think Clemson wants to hold it close to the vest and play smart, and Louisville will try not to lose the game early on. So that's why I have an under in this one. So, folks, I went through five games, tried to get them all in five minutes each. Remember, you can uh, hit me up on Twitter if you have any questions, comments, or just want to follow me. It's at CJFlorida9. The Facebook page is always open. Uh, That's the Football Game Plan Facebook page. Uh, We're just trying to do some big things over here at Football Game Plan, try to get you some good requisite knowledge. for you people who like to put a little extracurricular on it, I'm hoping I can help you out. I hope you listen to me as I shout it out all across the world that if it was under 14 when Florida State was playing against USF, you better you better take that because it was just set up as a nightmare situation for USF, and it ended up being that. So for the Football Game Plan Radio Network and the 5 and 5 show, I'm Chris James signing off. You all enjoy this football weekend that's upcoming.